Hello everyone and welcome to Conversation of Change, the podcast that features social entrepreneurs that create inspiring and positively impactful work. My name is Karen and I am a change maker with Make the Change, a social enterprise in Singapore offering learning programs to tertiary students and persons with disabilities and we also offer creative services to businesses as well as educating corporates about creating lasting impacts and attaining their targeted CSR goals. So for today, we will be speaking to Tom Greenwood, who is the co-founder of Whole Grain Digital, London's original WordPress agency, and he's also the author of the book, Sustainable Web Design. Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for joining us all the way in the UK. Good morning. Good morning. Um, can you just tell us a little more about yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, I run an agency called Whole Grain Digital, and, and we're a design and development agency for um, WordPress websites. And it was set up by myself and my wife in 2007 with the aim of helping like positive organizations. So that's like nonprofits and businesses that are trying to have some sort of social or environmental mission, um, use design and technology to like fulfill fulfill their missions. And, um, and at the same time, we wanted to sort of run our own little experiment in mm -hmm sustainable business. We were curious about like, can business really be sustainable? And we thought the best way to find out is to set up our own business <laughs> and try and run it in a sustainable way. So that's what we've been doing for the last 14 years. Right. Um, and I'm just curious to know, you, you mentioned you started it with your wife. What was the the main reason why you, you guys decided to embark on this business journey together? Yeah, sure. I mean, the reason we did it together, if I'm being completely honest, is mm -hmm is because we we sort of went through this process of lifestyle design and i as a designer i kind of thought well you know you design things you go through the design process but mm -hmm. then we just but our own lives which is like the most important thing we don't do that we just sort of drift through and see where we end up and <laughs> and i thought well let's let's like like just stop and like actually kind of think about like how we'd apply the design process to our own lives and what we ended up with is like we want to spend more time together how do we make that happen and um starting our own business together was one of the ways that actually we thought that was that would be possible because it would also allow us to not just spend time together during the day but also right. to like choose where we'd live mm -hmm. and like build a life around the location that we want as well so that was that was the reason behind that and um oh. yeah and that's worked out well <laughs> <laughs> i guess you guys are really lucky that you're able to work together you know at, at work and then you know also see each other at home yeah, yeah. a lot of people do say that and and i think you know it's obviously you know it's different for everybody mm -hmm. um and we watched a short clip of um, you on bbc uh, about the internet going green and we were honestly really shocked to learn that the internet uses more electricity than France or the UK. That was the data that yeah. we got. Um, and we're all digital creatures, but I'm pretty sure not many of us really stop to think about what effects our online activities have on the environment. So what yeah. advice would you give uh, anyone who has a blog or a website to be better advocates of sustainability? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think the first thing is just to kind of be aware of the fact that the internet does consume a huge amount of electricity uh, in, in places we don't necessarily see. You know, there's big data centers and transmission networks that span the entire planet, sending you know data between between people and and machines. 
So if you run your own website, I think the, the things to be aware of really are, firstly, you've got to host it somewhere, so you must have a web hosting account. So they ask the web hosting company whether they have a commitment to using green energy in their data centers. Um, and if they don't, then see if you can move to somebody who does. That's normally not too difficult to do. Um, and the other thing is just be really conscious about like the size of files that you're putting on there. So if you're a web developer, you can get really geeky about this and you can get really into the detail. But if you're if you're just a content creator and you don't want to get into the code, you can still think about like how big are these images that I'm putting on my website and can I can I make them smaller and maybe save them at a you know more compressed format before I upload them. Mm-hmm. And also, I think vi videos as well. Whether it's really necessary to have videos on your, on your yeah, website. I'd always question videos. I mean, so video is great in many ways, but um, but it uses huge amounts of data and um, and also is quite kind of processing intensive on mm. the, the the machines as well. So I'd just be mindful of that video. Is what I always say, and um, and and definitely the, the the one no no for me in video is autoplay. It can be annoying for people, so it's not even necessarily good user experience if you go to a web page and a video <laughs> right. just starts playing. Mm -hmm. But it's also quite kind of unfair on people who have who find data very expensive. Oh, so right. sort of yeah. the lower income people in society, they mm -hmm. they visit a web page and immediately this video just starts like burning through their data. Mm -hmm. um, there's a sort of a real injustice there. So avoid autoplay. Right. I guess most of the time when we put it to autoplay, we don't really think about the end user and the burning the data, but that was a exactly. good point yeah, there, yeah. And um, can you share with us a little more about a book, uh, your book writing journey for sustainable web design? Uh, who, who should read it and why? Yeah, sure. So um, I spent most of last year writing the book and it basically, it goes through kind of the steps of like, what is the, what is the environmental impact of the internet? How does that relate to what we do in like web design projects um, and what are the sort of principles we should be thinking about within those projects and then gets into the practicalities of like how do we measure environmental impact of a, in a web design project what can we do in design that is not just better for the environment but mm -hmm. better for the user and better for like commercial outcomes as well so how can we find these win-wins in design that actually deliver um, on everything that we want to achieve this, mm -hmm. um, similarly in development like what are the sort of technical approaches we can take? Um, a look at hosting and like the the whole field of like how does where does the energy come from and how do we make hosting web hosting more efficient is quite complex. But I try to make it palatable so that like, anybody okay. can understand it. Right. And then and then also look at the commercial aspect. So like how do we sell this to our colleagues and our managers and our clients mm -hmm. um, and get them excited about yeah we need to look at sustainability seriously. And then finally the last chapter is about like the internet itself and how will climate change impact the internet in terms of resilience with like extreme weather events and rising temperatures, mm. rising sea levels, and just kind of look at it the other way, not just how does the internet impact the environment, but how does the environment impact the internet. Um, it's published by a company called A Book Apart, and um, it's available on their website, abookapart.com. Abookapart.com. Okay, great. Um, thanks for sharing that, Tom. And I think... Uh... Correct me if I'm wrong, but well, it's great for all companies to be able to practice uh, all the pointers you shared earlier to make their website more green and also from your book. Sometimes I think, um, I'm pretty sure you've heard from uh, some of your clients, it's really difficult to make such big changes or even the small changes take 
time and money. Um, so yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but one way to, to make up for this uh, deficit is to offset your carbon footprint in other ways, such as buying carbon offset. So could you just tell us a little more about what this means exactly? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I would always firstly say that like, reducing emissions is what needs to happen. Um, so always try to find ways of reducing emissions first. Mm -hmm. But um, but we are in a world where, like, you know, we are all emitting emissions from everything that we do day to day. Mm -hmm. and, and while we're doing that, we need to find ways of kind of avoiding um, the damage done by that. So I'd say when looking for offsets, try to find ones that a from a credible source um and and i think you know the best way to do that is to look for some sort of certification or or recommendation from somebody who's like knows the organization and mm -hmm. and and they trust them but but then there's really two types of offsets there's offsets that like pay people not to pollute and then there's offsets that actually like remove like carbon dioxide from the atmosphere that's two quite different things so paying somebody not to pollute would be like, I will pay you to put some solar panels on your roof and then your energy will be cleaner in the future. And that's a good thing. Um, and I think, you know, those projects are often very worth supporting, um, but they don't undo what you did. I mean, nothing really undoes it, but they don't remove your emissions from the atmosphere. What they do is they just help, they just help us decarbonize our energy supplies. The other way where you're trying to remove it from the atmosphere would be kind of nature-based projects. Now, mostly this is like tree planting, but there are other types of nature-based projects that are kind of um, looking at sort of how we can recondition soil and things to actually make it naturally like absorb, um, suck suck CO2 back into the atmosphere and, and lock it away. And I think, I think, you know, in the future, there'll be like artificial technologies that like machines that can do this, but and they're being developed, but they're not sort of really commercially available right now. So at the moment, it's mainly nature-based projects. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say it's definitely worth just thinking about what you want to achieve. There is no right answer here. Carbon offsetting is inherently imperfect. But right. have a think about whether you want to kind of support like people to reduce their emissions or whether you want to actually like try to take responsibility and suck your own emissions back out of the atmosphere. Um, <laughs> Right. And on, on that topic, you know, I know your own company definitely walks the talk when it comes to being sustainable. Uh, I read that you have a no-fly policy and vegetarian yep. food policy. So can you just share with us what other uh, green initiatives ha um, have you adopted in your company? Yeah, sure. I mean, we've done a bunch of things over the years. One of the, um, one of the interesting ones is that we introduced a policy a few years ago to um, incentivize our, our team to switch to renewable energy at home in the I mean it's not possible in every country but in the UK we're quite lucky that we have lots of different electricity providers some of them you can buy like a renewable energy tariff oh, okay. so basically we offered our team like we'll give you an extra day of holiday every year if you if you switch and it doesn't really cost any more like they're basically the same price okay um, and it took, it was a slow start. It took about three years, but now every single person in our team has a renewable energy tariff at home. And I think that's quite a big, a big win because actually when we worked it out, we realized our environmental impact, if, if we work at our environmental impact as a company, it's not that big. Right. Mm -hmm. We said, oh, but we're a group of 18 people. Mm -hmm. How big is our environmental impact as a, as a group of humans? Right. Actually, it was way bigger because most of the stuff that we do has an environmental impact doesn't get counted as like 
stuff that the company does for mm -hmm. a, a typical company it's like it's our home energy it's our travel it's it's what right. we eat yeah. um like most of that doesn't get counted by businesses so actually we started trying to widen it out and look at what we do how we support our team members in reducing their impact um i'm a little embarrassed to be saying this but we actually tried your uh, tried to check how carbon friendly our website was on the website that you guys built, websitecarbon.com, and we failed hard. <laughs> and it was actually um, the first uh, website carbon measuring tool that uh, we have heard of. So we think it's really great that it's now available. But can you just share a little more about why you guys decided to build that tool? Like, did it start off as a passion project or something with a larger objective? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it did start off as a, as a passion project. Um, it actually came about kind of when we were thinking, of, it was before we certified as a B Corp, but we were kind of okay. thinking about going through that process. And one of the nice things about the, the B Corp certification process is that it, it gives you structure and it makes you really kind of think about things more seriously. And although we've been trying to run our business in a sustainable way for, for many years before then, it helped us get a bit more focused and while we were going through that thinking process we realized well the certification process is asking us it's just, it's, mm -hmm. it asks you about your products right. and and how you account for the you know various impacts of those mm -hmm. products and initially we were like well we'll just skip this because we we don't make physical products we just mm -hmm. do digital products right and then we sort of gradually thought well you know, it just felt uncomfortable, if I'm being honest, that we skipped it without knowing the answer. Right. Um, and, and and so we sort of went on a journey and said, well, we should be, we should figure out how to quantify this. And it took quite a lot of time, but we look, we started looking into research, academic research that had been done, and none of it had been like really applied to like specific web projects. It was all quite kind of general, top level. Let's look at the internet as a whole, or kind of data services as a whole. But there was data in there that we could then kind of take and scale down to individual projects. And we thought, well, this is this is really, really important. The fact that there is that nobody's doing this, nobody's quantifying the impact of their digital projects. Mm. And they really and we really should be, because even if it's even if it's insignificant, we should know that it's insignificant. We shouldn't be making that assumption. Right. That's amazing. And do you guys know if you're the only ones who are working on this? tool currently or have other companies sort of picked up on that trend and try to make something try to work something out yeah so some others have uh, sort of picked up on the trend um i mean i know that there's, there's a tool in france i'm not i can't remember its name but there, mm. there's one that sort of does a similar thing now there's also one coming out soon which it will be released um in the in the coming months which is specifically for like cloud providers so there's a company in america that's like working on a a tool which they'll make free as well where you can plug it into your like amazon web services or google cloud platform account and get data about the carbon impact and the energy impact of those cloud services that you're using which is exciting and then there's quite a bit of most of the research that's happening um outside of that is happening like in the world of like video streaming um mm. there's various academic studies happening looking at um a video streaming and i think because that's I think two reasons. One, that's like a, a really growing area of like massive impact at yeah. the moment, um, mm -hmm. and also because there's <laughs> and also because there's money there. Um, <laughs> to, <laughs> it's a big industry that can afford to pay for afford to pay for academic research. <laughs> right. I think especially now since like the pandemic hit, 
um, I think it has definitely accelerated video streaming and everything that's happening definitely. in digital. Yeah. And yeah. on that topic, my, just my, my final question, you know, like we mentioned, it's the digital, digital landscape is ever changing and we're moving so rapidly with new apps, new streaming devices, interactive websites even. Uh, what are your hopes for the, the future in terms of digital sustainability? Yeah, sure. So I guess I have a few hopes. One is I hope that um, I hope that renewable energy for data centers would just become a standard. Um, and and I think I think we're starting to see moves that that it is heading in that direction. It's a slow start, but it is starting to move in that direction. So I'm optimistic. Um, I'm also hopeful that people, the, the, the digital industry as a whole, will realize that actually making things energy efficient is a win-win for everybody like it's not a, it's not like an extra kind of hassle mm-hmm. and extra work that you have to do that w- just for the environment it's like if you do this right. it's going to improve user experience it's going to improve accessibility it will um you know it can improve conversion rates it can improve search engine optimization there's all sorts of like knock on positive knock-on effects of, of um of doing it so mm. there's there's really only kind of an upside um so i hope it just becomes standard that people like pursue this and use and use it as a i put it in their briefs for projects mm-hmm. like this is an essential thing that we're focusing on right. um and i guess my final hope is that um is a bigger one is <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that society as a whole will We'll gradually become more mindful about like our use of digital technology. I mean, I think I think the, the harsh reality is that mm. as much as digital technology has brought huge benefits to society mm-hmm. and and will continue to do so, it's also brought you know many kind of problems alongside it, and we've become addicted to it. And I think you know part of the sustainability issue is the fact that we just we're just addicted to it. We're using far too much, um, which is not it's not good for our mental health either. So I think, I think my bigger hope is that actually as a society, we start to become really mindful about how we use digital technology and we use it as a really powerful tool where it adds mm. value, but then we kind of step back from it when we don't need it and we, we go outside and listen to the birds. <laughs> <laughs> Smell the roses. Smell the roses, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, just one more bonus question from me. I'm just curious to know what's your stance on social media, especially you know TikTok, um, you know instant gratification, all these 15, 30 second videos that people can just put out any time they'd like. Uh, what's your take on it? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it, it goes back to my last point. I think I think that a lot of these things are actually they feel good in the moment because they're designed to like give us that kind of dopamine hit. And it's mm. like a drug, you, you know, you, you feel good immediately when, when you get that hit, but actually like any drug, it's not really good for us in the long term. Um, so, I mean, there's obviously the environmental impact of like, we're all just using these services so much, but also I just think socially, um, I, I don't think it's good for us as humans. I think mm. during the pandemic, maybe there's a bit of a difference that we were all isolated or we have been isolated and actually these services give us a way of feeling sort of connection. Right. But actually once, but when we have the opportunity to go and interact with real humans, mm-hmm. we should always like opt for that. And I think one of the dangers of these technologies is that 
they're so addictive that actually even when we can go outside to talk to humans we become kind of stuck inside mm-hmm. this world where we're like looking at our phones when our fr- right. friend is standing right next to us you know right. so i think I, I i think that they're they seem fun but they're perhaps more sinister than they appear. <laughs> right. I think you definitely have, have made a good point there. And you know what? Honestly, I think I'm a little guilty of whatever you just mentioned. Um, so I think it's good for me. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. most of us are. Yeah. <laughs> good for me or you know our listeners to take a step back and just really reconsider our social media habits. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Tom, for your insightful sharing. And we really appreciate you joining us all the way from UK, despite the time difference, uh, early in the morning. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lastly, to our dear listeners, please head to our website at makethechange.sg for more information on how we do business for good. And stay tuned to the next episode of Conversation of Change. Thank you, Tom. Thank you.